I know that it's a rhetorical question, but every time we sing that song, I feel like I have to answer it out loud. Why should I gain from his reward? Because he loves me so much. That's why. He's an incredible lover of my soul. And even though I don't deserve it, he loves me so much that he is rewarding me um, out of his riches, out of his glory. And I praise his name for that. I also thank the Lord uh, for Joy Kaiser. Joy, we really appreciate your ministry with us. Um, and let her, let her know that. Um, what, a, what a difficult job, you know, to come, in, to come in new and first day right there in front of everybody all the time. And, um, but she's more than an, an interpreter for the deaf. She's a great sister in Christ, and she inspired me. She put, she put a, a couple of phrases together that helped me understand my philosophy of church dress, okay? Because um, anybody who's ever asked me, you know, you know, I wear a variety of things, you know, even to preach in. You know, from T-shirts to nice suits to now this is my first time in flannel, you know, preaching. Um, but she asked me for Christmas Eve, you know, this was her first Christmas with us. And she said, how am I supposed to dress? Is it shepherd or wise man? That's a great thought. That's a deep thought. The wise men, they probably had some pretty cool stuff on. They were probably jingling a little bit. You know, they were probably blinging a little bit. The shepherds, they just came in. What they were wearing out there, whatever that was, that's what they came in. They weren't concerned, and I don't think either of them were concerned about what they had on. And I don't think the baby was concerned about what they had on. I don't think Mary and Joseph were concerned about what they had on. They came to worship, and that's what they did, and that's what we do. And that's why it doesn't matter what we wear. Oh, you know, we want to be modest, and although there are certain, you know, standards on, on those kinds. But I mean, you know, so I, what I'm saying is, you know, no bikinis or whatever. But, um, but in terms of general, general things, it doesn't matter. Shepherd or, or wise man, what's where our hearts are. As we think about day after Christmas, let's not leave the manger for a second. Let's think about waking up day after Christmas. You know, when we wake up day after Christmas, it's that old commercial. I think it was Alka-Seltzer. I can't believe I ate the whole thing. Some of you are real old. You know that. Remember that one? Um, and, and a variety of those things. Or you did so much, you can't, you, the expression, I feel like I've been hit by a truck, you know, when you, when you try to get up, that kind of thing. All those things happen. But I want to think about the day after Christmas right here. Mary and Joseph waking up if they slept and sitting on probably bales or stacks or piles of, of straw. And what was the conversation? Okay, now what are we going to do? And now where are we going? You know, the angel hadn't come immediately to Joseph to tell him to get out of there. We don't know how long of a period of time that took, but it probably wasn't the day after. So they're sitting there with the baby, their firstborn, they're so excited. You know, and, and, and you can imagine what Mary's doing to try to keep this baby clean in this environment. You know, that would probably drive you crazy. Um, 
what's the discussion? What are we going to do? Where are we, how are we going to do this? Now, they're alone now. I mean, they had an eventful, eventful night and day. I mean, the shepherds had come, you know, the angels, the, the light and all this. And now it's just them, the three of them. And, of course, the animals. And maybe the, you know, the guy who took care of the animals has probably been in and out a few times taking care of things. But what do we do? How do we face this? And I want to look back to one of the foundations that they had to face this. Turn back to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. This is back before the birth of the Lord. A very eventful moment in Mary's life and Joseph's life when the angel Gabriel... Now, Gabriel is one of the main angels. And he came to deliver this message to Mary on this very eventful moment. The, the announcement of, it's finally here, it's finally happening, the Messiah is coming into the world, and here's how he's coming. And so Gabriel came to this young woman and said this. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, Yeshua, the salvation of the Lord. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with the Lord. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. What a foundation to live on. This is no ordinary young wife over here facing the difficulties of life, raising the Messiah in a very hostile environment. I mean, first of all, coming out of the, the scorn and the shame that she had to face. Because that's, that's what she was living in. She knew before the angel left her, this was not going to be easy. You know, I'm sure that I'm sure that sort of ran through her mind, okay, how am I going to put this to Joseph? 
How about mom and dad? What are my brothers and sisters? What, what am I going to tell them? Sure, all that stuff was run through her head even before she said this. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. In other words, I'm going to do whatever it takes to do what you want me to do, Lord. You've said it. I'll do it. That is a great partner over there with Joseph. Honey, I don't know what we're going to do. She says, it's going to be all right, Joseph. Remember what the Lord said, nothing is impossible with the Lord. Nothing is impossible with the Lord. You ever need those words? Does that ever come in handy? Okay, husbands and wives, children, parents. Let's remember, we've got the same foundation that she does. We have it. We didn't experience it. And I'll say right now, thank you, Lord. I would never have wanted to have to go through what Joseph and and Mary went through, especially those first few months. But remember, it it didn't get any easier probably. You get used to things. But remember this. She was always that woman. Always. She didn't, she didn't live a day without somebody sitting behind her back loud enough for her to hear. You know how they do. We, you know how they do. And listen, if you're one of those, stop it. Stop it. We all, we're all tempted in that stuff. Stop it. She, she always heard somebody in the background saying, there she is, <laughs> you know, and make other little snide comments. She heard it. I wouldn't want to go through that. But they went through it. And now, because of what's written, the way that Luke recorded this, we have the same foundation that she had. We know the same truth. Nothing is impossible with God. When you're reading the word this year, this coming year, I'm going to encourage you, keep reading it this year too. But as you're reading the word this year, whatever plan you're going to use, make sure sure you're in the word coming up. That's where we get this great stuff. That's where Mary got this. She was living it, but she also knew it. Keep reading. We're not going to do it this morning, but keep reading here in Luke 1. When she got down to Elizabeth's place, read Mary's song. This woman knew the word of God. That's why this stuff that the angel told her, while it probably freaked her out, didn't completely freak her out because she knew the Messiah was coming. He had to come some way. He had to arrive some way. Might as well be through me because that's what the angel said. She was ready because of her foundation in the word of God. Let's make sure that we keep building that foundation in our own lives. And as we do, as we discover these truths like nothing is impossible with God... Let's take that. Let's own that. Let's encourage each other with that. Imagine, again, just take the setting back there to the manger. And imagine Mary using this information in this very difficult time of post-Christmas depression and trying to figure out what to do. And imagine her reminding Joseph, don't forget, honey, nothing is impossible with God. 
Nothing is impossible with God. That should be a regular statement made between husbands and wives and moms and da- moms and kids and dads and kids and grandparents and kids and grandchildren. That ought to be a regular statement with each other. We ought to be encouraging each other with that phrase all the time. That's one of the foundations of our lives. Nothing is impossible with God. We've got some challenges on our hands. Every one of us. We've got some challenges. We got some mystery in our lives. We got some unknowns. We got some uncertainty. We need to be encouraged with the Word of God. And when we read it, to say with Mary's words, I'll do that. I'm going to do that. That's a, that's a paraphrase of her saying, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I'm going to do that. I'm a servant. This is what he says to do, so I'm going to do it. That's going to be hard. That's not going to be easy to stop that. Like, for, like for example, I just said, you know, if you're one of those that, you know, stop it. You read that in the Word. You say, ah, that's me sometimes. Stop it. I'm the Lord's servant. The master's told me he doesn't want me gossiping. He doesn't want me backbiting. He doesn't want me talking behind people's back. He says that clearly in his word. When I come across that in my reading or listening to preaching, and he says that, and I know that's me, I'm the Lord's servant. I'm not in charge here. I'm not in charge. I'm not the boss of me. That's what she's saying. Even though I like the way I am, a lot of people's excuse for not making any changes, not growing, I was born like this. One of my favorites is that people have these really bad tempers and then cussing and throwing and things. I'm Irish. What do you expect? I got to do that. Or I'm Italian. You know what? You can name any nationality, and you're that. That gives you an excuse for something. No. We are the servants of the Lord. That means we're not our boss. That means we don't decide about those kinds of things, the way that we use our mouths and our tongues and and our attitudes. We don't get to decide that. He's decided for us. This is the way I want you to live. This is the way that I want you to think. And I'm not going to give you the all of that info, because that's what you're going to do this year as you're reading the Bible. As you see that stuff, and it hits you right between the eyes, and this passage, of all the passages in the Bible, this one hits me between the eyes more than any others. And it's all because of that boy over there. He's not really a boy anymore. But when he was 10, when he was 10, we were deciding whether or not we were going to adopt that boy. And we had a prayer in his room with his little sister because mom wasn't home and I let them sleep together. And and we did things. We had more fun when mom wasn't home sometimes. And and we were making this huge decision. Sherry skips town on me. And, And so the three of us were praying in the room 
And I added into my prayer, and Lord, if you want us to adopt the little boy from China, help us to know. And then Rebecca says, Daddy, are we going to adopt that little boy? And I said, nah, I don't think so probably because he's got some problems and things and I don't know if we'd be the best family that has enough you know, money and stuff to help him get through it. And William, that's a 10-year-old little guy, he says, Dad, if we don't adopt him just because he's deaf, that would really be mean. What? The next day, I read this passage. Getting ready for 1997 Christmas with Midway at Midway Elementary School. I read this passage, and I hear Mary say, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And I thought, who am I? If, if, if William was born with this difficulty, that difficulty, that, or Rebecca, we'll just do it. The Lord will help us. Nothing's impossible with the Lord. So why all of a sudden am I putting down these, these requirements of how the adopted son's got to be? Because we, we had our list. We literally did. We were going to adopt a baby, not five-year-old, a girl, not boy. And we didn't have this on the list, but this was in our minds, non-handicapped in any way. In other words, perfect. And, the, and his list that we got was deaf, mute, bald, burned, and mentally handicapped. That's a lot. But it wasn't too much. And besides that, some of it wasn't true. For example, mute kids don't win the state speech competition. Like he did five years later, six years later. So not mute. Pretty sure not mentally handicapped. You wouldn't have been able to do that either. Or the other amazing things he's done since then. Turns out he was burned. He was bald, but he's not now. He went through some very difficult things physically and pulled his hair out. That's why he's bald. Deaf, yes, but so. All the Lord does in that case is bring, bring along people like her throughout his entire life to help him get through it. Because nothing's impossible with the Lord. That's the way the word of God is supposed to operate in our lives. In, in concert with his body. In this case, your 10-year-old son. The word of God interacts, it, it intersects life. And, and life with each other, not in a vacuum. And as we walk through the word together, encouraging each other with the word, then we gain the courage, we gain the faith, we gain the oomph that Mary and Joseph had.
to get through what they were going to have to get through. And they had a wild ride ahead of them. Guess what? So do we. So do we. We don't know what's coming. We all hope it's going to be perfect from here on out. We all look back to the difficulties we've had and say, okay, I've had some difficulties now. Now I'm, I'm ready to be over that. I'm ready for it just to kind of smooth out a little bit. A little bit easier. A little bit less rocky. A little bit less mountainous. I'm ready for that straight, smooth ride. Guess what? Maybe not. Probably not. As you look at the heroes, and aren't these two some of the heroes? They were ready because God had given them his word. You know, Joseph's just like Mary, so they're, they're complimenting each other. Remember what happened in Matthew 1 after the angel, after Joseph had the dream of the angel talking to him? Do you remember what happened when he woke up? I'm not going to turn to her. Now you look at this. The word of God says, when Joseph woke up, he immediately went and did what he was told. Just like Mary. I'm not my boss. He is. So if we got to go through this stuff, because, you know, Joseph was concerned about that. He wanted to divorce her quietly, put her away quietly so she wouldn't face public disgrace and maybe be stoned to death. He knew he didn't do it. But he didn't want her to die for that. He didn't want her life to be ruined. So he's going to try and figure out a quiet, nice way for it to happen. He was concerned about that stuff. He was concerned about what people were going to say and what they were going to think and, and how it was going to affect her. Probably himself too. You know what he did when the angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife? And then gave that great explanation that went right along with what the angel Gabriel had told Mary because she told him everything verbatim, I'm sure, a few times. Immediately, when he woke up, he went and did what the Lord told him to do. That's what we're talking about. That's why what we do with the word of God. Now, we don't have to get it from an angel's visit. We don't have to get it from a visit in a dream. We get it every time we open up the pages. Every time we, well, or however it is you read it. Whatever device you use. Some of you still like the smell and feel of it. I was looking at my my great-grandfather's Bible this week. Not the one that I show you, the big one. My other great-grandfather, one of my other great-grandfathers, I have his Bible, and I mean, I'll start sneezing smelling that one. But it's so awesome to look at the same pages, the same words that he was looking at over 100 years ago. That's what we do. Whatever the device, whatever the quality, however big the giant print, we read the word not as a good luck charm. Not so the trouble will stay away. We read the word because we're not our own boss. We read the word because he is our 
master. We are his servants. And he has a way that he wants us to live. First of all, he has a way he wants us to be saved. Remember that. That's where servitude in Christ starts. If you're still still trying to save yourself by being good, by being religious, by being spiritual, by being nice to people and, and giving a lot and things. Listen, the master says there's one way to be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where our servitude in Christ begins. We believe in him. We say, yes, sir, I will stop trying to save myself. I will stop trying to add to what you've done for me. I will accept what you've done. I will receive your gift of eternal life for what you've done. Thank you for giving it to me. That's what Christmas is about. That's what we were supposed to be remembering yesterday when we opened the presents. It didn't cost me anything. It cost him something. And I'm going to enjoy this now. That he has given this to me at such a great cost. I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to live this now for him because he is my master. He's the one that's preparing the place for me for eternity. I need to be concerned about his thoughts. I need to be concerned about his will. Did you hear what the psalmist said in Psalm 40 this morning as Mark was reading it? I have come to do your will, O Lord. Now that's, I think, a messianic section of that psalm where actually the psalmist is representing Jesus Christ, the coming Messiah. But that's us too. That's our attitude as we approach the word of God. I have come to do your will. Not mine. Your will. And as we read the word of God, he continues to renew our minds, helping us have the right thoughts about him and about each other and about ourselves. He renews our mind so that we do his will more naturally. And I say naturally, more spiritually. The Spirit of God renewing our minds and and changing us enables us to think his thoughts so that as we grow, it becomes more and more part of us. It becomes more an outflow of our life to do the things, to think the ways that he wants us to do and think. But that's part of the growing process. And that's what we're going to be doing in 2022. I'm, I'm here to announce 2022, we're going to keep studying, reading, and preaching the Word of God at Midway Community Church. That's what we're doing. And I want to encourage you, be ready just to say, yes, sir. This is what we're doing. This is what I'm doing. If they can do it, and they did it, I can do that. Because you have made the way for me. So maybe it needs to start for you today. Humble yourself before God right now and receive Jesus. Remember what John said. I'm going to repeat this in 2022 also. But to those who received him. Remember, most of them rejected him. Most of them didn't believe in him. But to those who received him, John 1.12, to those who believed on his name, 
he gave the right to become children of God. He'll give you that right this morning if you receive him. And from there, here we go. Having the conversation, what are we going to do? Well, we don't know exactly, but we know he's going to take us through. Because nothing is impossible with God. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we have come to do your will. Whether we're here in this room or in our living room or bedroom or kitchen watching and participating online, we have come to do your will. Thank you for those who have gone before us, showing us the way to do it. Not perfectly, but showing us nonetheless how to continue on believing that nothing is impossible with you. That whatever your word says we should do, however your word says we should think, however your word says we should talk, regardless of the way we've been thinking, the way we've been talking, you can change that for us because nothing's impossible with you. We believe that. And we ask that you'd help us. We would love to be an individual, to be a family, to be a church who follows you who honors you by our obedience. Not by our sacrifices, as the psalmist said, but by our obedience to you because you are our boss. We're not our own bosses. So we're here to listen. Give us the discipline, the will, the stamina to open your book this year and to read it and to see what you have for us. May you be glorified as we see you do the impossible together. In Jesus' name, amen.